with me in my foul life. Podcast world, what's up? Chad Belding back at you. Another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank y'all so much for the consistent support, the subscriptions, the ratings, reviews. It's truly humbling. And also thank you for supporting the sponsors and partners that support all of our brands here. At the Foul Life, this life ain't for everybody, Banded, Avery, and Greenhead Gear. We truly appreciate all of that support. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends, none other than Federal Premium, the makers of Black Cloud, the makers and designers of Black Cloud TSS. If you're a waterfowl hunter, if you chase ducks, if you chase geese and you're serious about it and you're ethical about it and you love to eat wild game and prepare those ducks and geese for bounty and table fare, look no further than Black Cloud we have been using it consistently for eight years and it it does exactly what it was intended to do kill them dead in the decoys every time less cripples less bb's when you're chomping on that meat and actually my guests today are some of the main frames the main names the main faces of the black cloud the federal premium organizations today we have Jason Nash, Brian Kelvington, and Dan Compton. We have a four-way podcast going on the Zoom app during the quarantine. We're all getting through it. We're going to come out on top of this. And one thing we can look forward to is duck and goose season. So let's all keep our fingers crossed. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Dad, good to be with you. Okay, I, I want to make sure that I have everything right. Brian Kelvington, when you guys see him, he is the one that has the moose over his left shoulder. When you see Dan Compton, he has a wood wall. Dan, can you say hello, please? How we doing, Chad? Thanks for having us, man. I like that hat. You look nice. Why I got you real quick, can you spit um, just the, just give me one line of your favorite hip-hop song? Do you got one on mine? Bass in your face, not an eight track. (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, Jason Nash. Jason, what is your position at Federal Black Cloud, Federal Premium? I am the head of marketing for Federal, this awesome brand of ours. So you ha- you you head up all shot shells, all all center fire, all rim, everything as far as rifle. Um, any any ammunition that's coming out of the Federal Premium Factory, you head up the marketing efforts for it. That's right. Yep. And I have a fantastic team of people who just do kick ass work every day. Yeah, you guys are all located in Anoka, Minnesota. That is the original home of Federal, correct? It is. We're going on 100 years here pretty soon. 100 years. In 2022, we'll be 100 years old. We're going to celebrate big time. You're going to get an invite. Am I really? It's in the mail, I swear. Dude, I would love that. How how long has your tenure been there out of those 100 years? I've been here 17. 17, and and, and you just just are, I mean, you're barely 40, right? You look 33, wrestling, kept you in shape. Brian Kelvington, Brian Kelvington, you've been there the second longest, right? Or has Compton been there? No, Brian's been longer than me. Brian's been longer. How long have you been here, Kelvy? Uh, Starting year 14 this year. In fact, uh, very fortunate that uh, Jason discovered me uh, working for a North American media group. And we discovered Dan working at Sportsman's Warehouse. So it's really a, uh, it's pretty unique how we've all uh, evolved and come to this company and uh, it's certainly been a blessing in my life for sure. I can tell. I know you guys love it. What a great place to work. I've been to the factory a couple times. Truly mad, true magic happens there. Compton, how many years are you going on there? Are you, what are you, are you over 10? I'm on 10. Yeah, I'll be 11 this summer. And I was actually discovered by Brian Kevington there with the moose over his shoulder. So when I was working retail, he, he called me up. He's free agent at the time. 
And what is your current position in the infrastructure, Compton? I'm product line manager for shot shell, rim fire, and muzzle loading. So, so you're in charge of making sure of anything from quality control to to packaging everything that comes off the shop floor before it goes through, is boxed up and sent to retailer to a distributor. You make sure it's checked off by Dan Compton. Uh, in a way, usually before that, mainly it's more, what are we going to make? Like what, look at the product line as a whole. And, and then my job is to run that, that roadmap. So where are we going to be this year? We're going to be two years. We're going to be in three years, help set pricing, positioning on new products, and then look in different categories and say, where are the holes and how are we going to address or fill that? Okay. So I, I was incorrect in thinking that when you said product line, it was the actual assembly line. You're talking about the actual selection and portfolio of products each year that's presented by federal. Yeah, correct. I tell product line manager, people think you run the plants, but no, we got far smarter and better people doing that action. So, uh, but I'm pretty lucky that in what I do, I get to touch most aspects of the organization between from customer service to sales, to marketing and messaging to, to quality. We're, we're in on all those decisions. Cause when, when something new is developed, I help sit down with the team and, you know, you say, what did the consumer want? And then help set the specs. And then guys like Adam Moser and Alex Schmid go out and design the product. And then, and then the, the person that oversees guys like Alex are, is Eric. Eric is yeah. in charge of the entire, his entire, the yeah, entire the production Eric, line. Eric runs the, the production floor. He runs the building right now or the entire plant. And then Drew Goodlin is the guy who's our director of new products. Would, would you consider Eric one of the smartest human beings in the world right now? Uh, yeah, I would. You would? I thought yeah. so, too. Kelby, what's your position there? Uh, Chad, I'm director of media here at Federal Ammunition under Jason, part of Jason's staff. And uh, out there um, trying to find best ways, best solutions to advertise our products, uh, whether it be online, whether it be in the print publications or broadcast. I love it. Um Big, big uh, changes in 14 years, I can imagine, from what you saw in the beginning stages of how to advertise or how to direct media to the consumer, the in consumer, the potential in consumer. It's gotten so diverse now to where you probably have just touch points going off all the time with social media and print ad campaigns or digital ad campaigns, TV, um, YouTube, you, uh, live events, ambassadors. It's, it's, it's never ending right now to where you kind do you kind of feel like, well, we could probably not do that one. Or is it, you have to have your fingers on all of those pretty much I just named. Yeah, I still think it's uh, very important to have a, a mix, a balanced mix, understanding where your consumers, you know, doing our insights and our research to understand where the consumers are consuming their, their media and then being flexible to, to um, meet those needs, right? So, yeah, it's a multi-pronged approach now. It's not just traditional media where, you know, you placed a print ad and a, and a television ad and you walked away and said, hey, I'm touching the whole universe. Well, that's just not the case anymore. And, and I, I'm proud to say under Jason's leadership, um, we have we were the leaders in this outdoor space from an ammunition perspective to be digital forward in our in our thought process. We, we worked with a lot of partners to to um, execute programs, um, launch initiatives that brought our program, brought our products and our messages to the digital space well in advance of our of our uh, of our competition. And we own a, a large share of voice in the digital space just because of our, our forward thinking. That's awesome. And this, 
this series that we're doing, gentlemen, is called The Essentials of Duck Hunting. And we tried to come up with a roadmap, if you will, like Compton said in the factory, or more of like a, a a la carte menu of the things that we look at of going into our hunts to bring consistent success. And when you think about essentials, you think about scouting, you think about camouflage and concealment. Obviously, you know the weather and the, and the forecasting and all that. But then you get into the equipment with the, the guns, the ammo, the calls, the camouflage, the clothing, the apparel, the knife, the, the, the grill to cook the ducks on. Everything encompassed, everything full circle. And we've, we're even going into some conservation efforts. So we started with a couple outfitters that make their living and in the, in, in their revenue streams and livelihood is, is through trying to find that roadmap to consistent success to give their clients a great experience to where they go spread at word of mouth and they keep bringing back, you know, valued clients and, 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 you know, customers to hunt with their organizations. And to do that, they have to concentrate on a set of these essentials. So I've always looked at it like a Benelli is an awesome tool. It's, it's going to shoot three times it, with the combination of uh, the, the choke tube that you select we work with rob roberts we we truly believe in his t1 t2 and t3 patterning systems uh for waterfowl plus his turkey stuff but the ammo the ammunition is and you correct me if i'm wrong that gun when it squeezes in that firing pin hits that primer and that shot goes off that's the most important part of a duck hunt as far as the ethical part to the animal. Now, you, we also are bringing in duck dogs into this, and we've had Brad Arrington and a couple guys on here talking about the importance of the conservation tool of a, a strong lab or some type of retriever to go out and bring ducks back. You might have a cripple. You might have a flyby. You might have something that gets in the way of the pattern that you weren't really aiming at. Cripples are going to happen no matter what ammunition you use. But without the ammunition without the scientific research behind black cloud, it is my opinion that all of those other tools would be null and void because you're not going to get the results of ethical harvested animals in your decoys or around your decoy spread. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say? Yeah, we, we like to talk about, I mean, we're, we're in the ammo business. We're biased, but the, the, Shot in that shell is the only thing that touches the animal before you get your hands on it. Exactly. So it's your direct physical link to the game. And so you got to make sure it, it, it patterns well, and you make sure you're ready to shoot and, and that the ammo itself is going to do its job. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was saying is like the only thing besides that dog's mouth when that animal is dead or close to dead and harvested that goes out and actually has a, intimate relationship with that duck if you will or that goose and i i posted a video this week of a canada goose probably a 11 pounder if i had to guess you know i'm phil judging a goose for boone and crockett it it gets hit by dan hendo henderson with an h-bomb with black cloud and it literally is just like it never moves a muscle after so i just wanted to kind of get into that essential thought process of the results that is literally consistently being seen through duck hunts, through goose hunts, through snow goose hunts, 
through and now into the turkey field with the evolution that you guys have, have done there. We can get into that a little bit, but I, I've been seeing turkey footage in the last 24 months that is literally like, you know, a lot of the old footage where the head, the, the boot would be on the head and the wings would still be flapping. There's not a lot of that going on anymore. I've even had a few conversations about my stance on archery hunting for turkeys and that they are one animal that is not to be meant to, or not to be hunted with a bow and arrow. And I've been getting some slack on that but i i had t-bone on i had waddell on i've had a lot of people on to tell me they either agree with me or disagree and why but i feel that when the turkey comes in he dies with a shotgun that might be biased but again it, it's just the right way to do it i think in my opinion but let's get let's let's start with the 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 science that goes into patterning because patterning is something that is going to give the waterfowl hunter an upper hand because of the way that that shot spreads out or does not spread out within a certain range out in the decoys. Why is it important, Dan Compton, for a waterfowl hunter, no matter how good a shot he or she is, no matter how much money they spend on their shotgun, no matter how many decoys they have out, why is it important to pattern a gun yearly, if not a couple times a year, and make sure that you have a, a, the right approach or the right mindset when you go to pull that trigger on a live animal and are taking that responsibility of killing a live animal? I, I think you summed it up well when you, when you led with this and you said consistency. You know, um, shooting, I've always looked at it as a system, right? And you got all these elements of a system that have to come together in order for that bird to fall for you to pull the trigger to aim point head anchored on the gun everything going on at the same time and then our job is to that as you're out there hunting you have all these variables to worry about if we can make that ammo do the exact same thing the exact same time every time you pull the trigger then then our job is done so patterning is ensuring that you are coming out with a consistent and the best performing load for your gun and it could be that you know, you shoot and you find that you got to aim below the bird or you got to aim right on top of the bird. You got to cover them. Or you may shoot your gun and, and uh, in talking to Rob Roberts, too, he can very eloquently put this. I was like, your gun may be getting more pellets on the bird. But if you're not getting the most consistent pattern, if the point is kind of moot, you know, and there's just different variables and shotguns that do that. So patterning is like the utmost important thing you can do because you're going to know exactly where that gun's going to point every time. And you're going to find the best shot size that's going to work for your application in conjunction with the choke tube that you're choosing as well. Okay. Any of you can answer this question. You, I, what I'm saying is you guys pick who answers these questions, please. But what is it about a, a three inch, I don't care what shot, shot size, let's say, let's say we're working with twos, three inch twos. What is it about that shotgun shell when you hold, take it out of the black cloud box and you hold it in your hand before you put it into your magazine? What is it that's been done what is the first part that's going to ensure that patterning? Does that question make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys want me to take it? Go for it. Uh, the, the, for one is the quality of steel that we buy. Uh, we buy ball bearing grain steel, and you don't always see that in steel manufacturers. So just cut one open and roll them around on a table, and they're going to roll. They're going to they're be perfectly round. And then we have the flight stopper, which isn't perfectly round, but it does have the ring around it, but they're consistent. It's the same ring, they're the same size. So if you're getting a three, we're putting a three in the box, or if you're getting a four, we're putting a four in the box and you'll see some variability. So that's number one. Two is the quality control on the wad. You wanna make sure the wad is exactly the same and the, the science behind it, even 
if you take a shotgun shell and you measure the wall thickness, and if that varies, you know, a thousand either a couple thousand either way, or the wad a couple thousand either way, as it deploys, the fins are going to bend differently, and that's going to disperse your pattern in different way as well. So it's working with our suppliers to ensure that we're getting the exact same wad every time that's going into the load. So that's the tube, the wad, the shot, and then we are we make some of the best primers in the business that are about as sensitive as they can get. So that ensures that the gun's always going to go off. So the when you say we make the best primers, <clears throat> you're actually constructing those and you are machining those primers in house. Is 100% of the shot shell at Federal built by Federal, or you you mentioned that you're buying the steel? Is that the only part that is is sourced out? Yeah, we work with suppliers to uh, injection molders that make our wads. A local company in Minnesota here, and then we do source our uh, um, our steel shot on the open market out there. Uh, but everything else is made internally. So the the cup heads, the plastic tubes, the the primer compound is mixed up at our at our facility. The the cups and anvils that go into it, and then we load it all in Minnesota, Minnesota. So you have the shot shell constructed, then. Is it tested through every manufacturer's shotgun to ensure that you're getting quality results through anything that a, a potential customer could get at his sporting good dealer across the country? Yeah, when we design, we do a, a, a grab bag of shotguns. You know, we use anything from six to 18 brands, depending on what it is. Um, and then we kind of have a regular battery that we run everything through, you know, Benelli's, Beretta's, Remington's, Mossberg's. We, we do touch them all because we got to make sure everything everything fits in as the product is made your your primer is going to get shot for sensitivity off the primer line and then it's going to get shot once it's headed into a hole before it's loaded and then it's going to get shot on loader set up where they're going to go down and they're going to test it for pressure and velocity and then we sporadically do pattern testing maybe maybe that's typically done in the development process because we know you know when we set the loader up a certain way with this powder and run it's all going to happen so it gets tested all the way along the way and then uh and then we do random function testing as well, mainly, uh, you know, through some automatics where we do uh, pump guns as well. Jason Nash, when you, when you come up with a, when you're sitting in the boardroom in the, in the, the execution room, the war room with your team, and you guys are laying out a plan as far as marketing goes, and you start to take these concepts, I assume that Compton is touching on, do you want to educate the consumer through the federal premium marketing efforts for black cloud of this type of, intel that he is talking about or is it more of a feel good for federal i've seen different kinds of marketing come out of 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 the of the federal office and the federal campaigns but at this point right now is it important to keep educating consumers at this time in our country of these benefits of the science and the research and the technology behind the black cloud ammunition yeah absolutely and i think when when we launched black cloud it was the perfect combination of a great name and a lifestyle brand that also had a clear difference. I mean, one difficult thing for us is that ammunition, when you pull it out of the box, a lot of it looks pretty similar. You know, we try to do things to make ours better, better components, better finishes. Um, but a product like Black Cloud with a clearly different shell and a wad that you can see going out farther than, than most typical wads, it was a perfect combination for us. And that's something we, we had to talk about the components and about the technology instead of just the brand and, and the lifestyle of a waterfowler. So, I mean, it, it was black cloud's been one of our biggest hits as a product and a, as a marketing campaign. And now we just, we have to continue to improve it and, and continue to connect with people on that product and add TSS shot to it, do, you know, 
vary the, the primer and, and increase the pattern density. I mean, all these different things that we do and our, our consumer in this world loves products and details, especially when they pay off with more ducks. Agreed a hundred percent. So you or Kelvy can answer this Nash on the, on the wad system when it was redesigned and some of the things you would hear are, um, the dirtiness, the not being able to shoot through a ported choke tube, all of this has been taken care of. How important was that to the media and the marketing efforts of federal premium to be able to go to that consumer and say, look, if you guys, you know, you, you talk to us, you guys, we listen to what you said. And that's a big deal to consumers is like federal listened to us. We told them that it was a little dirty in our barrels. We told them that, that it wasn't shooting through a ported choke tube, choke tube, et cetera. How big was that when your team came up with the ability to take care of those two issues? I think it was great. I mean, Dan has spent a lot of time working with the engineers to, to get that consumer, that feedback from the people out in the field. And, I think we underestimated how many people were using aftermarket chokes when we first launched the product. It just got to be more and more of an issue for us. So that was the, the number one thing we had to fix with our next generation was get this flight control wad to work with aftermarket choke tubes because people invest a lot of money in them and they, you know, they want to see them work. So we actually partnered with, and, you know, Dan headed this up, some of the top choke tube makers to come out with choke tubes designed for black cloud and designed for our Prairie Storm ammunition that uses the same wad. So, so that was fantastic. And then in the meantime, they, they also, you know, varied the powders and, and cleaned it up. Kelvy, when you're you, part of your job is to work with not just enthusiasts, but outdoor riders who are taking the product that is being designed by the team we're talking about. They're taking it out. They're testing it. They're riding on it. They're giving you guys back transparent. They're giving you guys transparent feedback of, and in 100%, I would think that the first thing, and I think I've even heard Compton say this is, it is so important to have 100% transparency and honesty when you're getting feedback. What is the feeling amongst you three when you've been out in an experience like this, Kelvy, you start it, but I can imagine like you guys go out and you guys all take ownership in this brand. I can tell the pride that all three of you have in it. When you see the results after all of this technology, after all this innovation, all this science and design in the factory, give me an example, Kelvy, of what, you know, what you've witnessed from a rider or a camp you've been in to where you're just like, man, this is unbelievable. It's like one of your kids, you know, winning a wrestling match, I could imagine. Uh, Chad, I, I will say I, I was in Alberta once for a duck hunt and it had a, uh, a group of guys that had, you know, shooting black cloud and we shot probably, well, we shot close to our limit, right? And um, make sure that we don't go over the limit. But when you see the folks turn to you and say, this stuff is amazing, it just validates everything that all the hard work, all the planning, all the engineering, all the, you know, all that work that that takes that goes into product development. It's really easy to to sell a product when you know it works. It's been validated, and then when you put that into a an event, whether I'm out hunting with you guys um, from a television perspective, or we have um, designated writer hunts, and these folks, they're not gonna their their um, integrity is on the line too. So if they're supposed to be neutral observers and 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 give out uh, um, their uh, their evidence based in their in their output, which is their stories and articles. 
their uh, credibility is on the line. So when they are writing honestly about it, whether you see it in um, Waterfall or Magazine or Ducks Unlimited or Delta Waterfall, they're having success and they're translating that success in real time, in some cases real time and real honesty, it certainly gives me a great deal of pride. I love it. Compton, when you you have been, I've seen you at shows such as NWTF, National Wild Turkey, you attend the NRA convention, the SHOT Show, you attend Pheasants Forever. I'm sure there's a lot more that you've attended over your 10 years at Federal Premium. In marketing and what Nash and, and Kelvy concentrate on, consistency is everything in messaging, right? What is the consistent messaging that you get from this, the average walker by visiting the Federal Premium booth at these type of consumer shows or even industry shows that you that validates exactly what we're talking about right now. What is the consistent message you you find? You talk about something like Black Cloud. Uh, the consistent message I hear over and over is, "I feel like I shoot better," and that that seems to kind of resonate, you know, over. Said so I've never hit ducks like I've hit ducks since I started using Black Cloud. And you shot everything, you know. I've tried everything. I've tried this. I've tried that. And uh, and you find with federal, you know, obviously I'm a little biased, but. Um, just a sense of respect, you know, for the brand. Like we've, we've kind of been there, done that, earned our stripes. And uh, when you buy federal, you, you know exactly what you're going to get. And you're going to get pretty, pretty dang good quality product. So it's not just that they're seeing more quote unquote dead ducks. They're actually feeling like a, they're becoming a better shotgunner. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what it comes over to, to, you know, from what I've, my, my experience over the years, it's like, man, you know, I used to just shoot whatever, but man, since I've been shooting black eyes, get more birds, you know? So, and like you said, you know, I, you had one of the best quotes ever. You're like, when you shoot black cloud, bang, send a dog, you know, it just, yeah. there's a, and you, you know, confidence is, is everything. And if you feel like you're, you got good gear and your good gear is taken care of, it's going to make you a better hunter right off the gate because you're going to, you're just going to act more authoritative on the field. Um, I've gotten pretty selective of content that we use. I, I, I have a, a huge compassion for animals and a huge respect for the resource. And I think that that probably comes through mentorships um, and how you're brought up in the outdoors. And I also think it comes through your maturity into your hunting, the different stages of your hunting career from the the piles make smiles to the pictures with the limits and holding your ducks out and your butt. And there's nothing wrong with that. The tailgate pictures, that's part of it. You know, that's, that's what we want. We want fun and smiles. We don't ever want disrespect to the animals. That's my stance. My opinion. I'm a pretty opinionated person. I admit it. Um, but I have so much footage gentlemen that I will not put on TV that I will not put on social media because of how, you know how the quality of cameras are today, Brian, you've been on enough hunts with these high speed can, uh, cameras. I almost don't want to show what a bird goes through when it's hit. And this is not a, this is not a negative. This is the ethical part of being a sportsman of if you are going to take the responsibility of dispatching that animal and taking its life, then it needs to be done like that. Right? Like that wasn't a good punch. Nash, let me try that again. You hear that? Like that is like some. You got to turn on it, Chad. <laughs> you got to turn on it. You get into it. But you want that. You want that thump, right? You want that animal dead right now. So I go through this footage and people are like, you need to put that on TV. You need to show that. And I'm like, I can't. I just don't want to show that part of it. I, it does enough to show animals dying in the first place. And my point in saying this is that the, the, the consistency that I see, the messaging that I get from the product, and I said this one time on a podcast, and I think it might have been with you, Compton, was 
I've stood up in my, and looked over my decoy spread expecting to see a bird running around and getting the dog ready to go. And you're just like, look at this. It's like every single bird is deader than a doornail. And I think that that's the consistency that I've gotten over the eight years is you, you do become a better shot. You become more confident because you're like, well, should I take that shot? Should I swing on this one and transition to my second target? And you lead them the right way. The pattern is right there. The consistency is right there. The bird's dead right there. And that's what I've seen the most in what we do. And I, and the reason I started off by saying that is that I don't want to show the absolute devastation that a bird can go through on impact of the black cloud ammo hitting it. And that's what that bird needs to go through and die quick. That's what we do as hunters. I, I want to keep, you know, making sure I emphasize that. But that's the message I get is like, there's less cripples. And I eat every duck I kill if I don't cook it for somebody else. And there's, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I bit into a BB. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but there's a reason for that pass through. And I want to ask about that is when that bird is hit Compton, why am I experiencing less ammunition or pellets in my meat when I go to heart or go to butcher and process that meat? Uh, part of the reason just really round shot, you know, is going to help you with that. It's, uh, it's it, anytime you start to add it and I'm kind of contradicting myself by saying this, it's almost like you should find more flight stopper in the bird, you know, because it does lose its energy quicker. It's going to hit, it's going to start to tumble and create that bigger hole and it's not going to penetrate as deep, but it's going to give it more of that, I don't know if that's the solidest Nash turning on it, but um, it's pretty good. But if you have really good ball bearing grade shot, and then we zinc plate it too, and there's supposed to be there's some science behind it. I, there's some of these things you can't you can't always validate because we haven't gone out and shot a bunch of you know big pile of feathers. But that's supposed to cut through feathers and cut through the down better and more efficiently than a than than something that is not. So is my, is my findings, not what you got, any of you take this Nash, you you hunt. Is it not what you have found with, with your meat that you're eating or any of you guys that are eating your ducks and geese, are you finding the same that I am? Or are you seeing pellets in the meat more or just as much as always? If I can click, I would say on, on ducks rarely, but more so on pheasants and lead. And I think that comes to that expanding factor of lead versus steel, you know, you got really good quality steel, it's going to penetrate and it's going to penetrate good. Lead's going to mushroom out and it's going to lose its energy quicker and stick within the bird. So that's my experience. It's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, if pheasant hunting, grouse hunting, those lead pellets are designed to, to expand a little bit, stay inside the bird. Nash, now that I see your face, I'm going to keep you up. Oh, did you have something else to say? Plus the steel shot where you typically pushing it really fast. So that velocity will drive it through too. I've, I've, I've truly seen that. I don't see as many BBs in the meat that we're cleaning and we run a lot of, you know, try to run a lot of magnetized stuff over them when we do processing and sausages or pepperoni sticks or breakfast trees or whatever. So you're constantly like in that meat, you're cutting it up and you're running your hands through it kind of like a pulled pork effort after it comes out of the smoker and you're like doing this with your hands. I don't know if you can see that Nash, <laughs> but you know, you're, you're really trying, you're really trying to find BBs because the last thing you want to do is be chomping on a pepperoni stick and ham one right like that's that's a good crown coming your way um so i've seen that a lot but back to nash when you're when you're talking about marketing efforts how important is the culture 
of federal. And over the last 17 years, Nash, has that culture changed with the way of the world, the way we get our content, the way retail has changed? I mean, from internet sales to the big Cabela's days to now the Bass Pro Transit, all of that mixed. Has the culture of federal changed at all over the last 17 years since you started? Yeah, I think it definitely has. But one of the great things about working for this company and for this brand is that there's always, no matter what people come through here, and we've got generations of families who worked at the factory here. That's pretty cool. I mean, it's not uncommon to find people who've been here 30, 40. We even had a guy here for 50 years. So with that, with those generations of people that come through and and with the the fact that conservation and and habitat and taking care of our games is so important to hunters in general. That's always an underlying theme here and, and among employees and with anybody who, who works for federal or shoots our products. So, so that's been fun to see, but yeah, I'd say the culture's changed. We, we probably have fewer people actually working on machines as we've gotten more automation. Um, we have people doing different kinds of jobs. I remember bringing my dad through the factory and he worked in an oil refinery in Oklahoma for a summer. And he re- he looked at this machine that was stacking cases and said, that was my job when I was a kid, you know, was packing those cases and, and stacking them up. So you know, I think it's as technology changes, you know, our, our culture has a little bit, but that underlying theme of conservation and Dur- during the quarantine as, as conservation as you three personally, the wild game, the the freezers full of wild game. Have you been hearing this as an underlying theme of like, you know, I'm so thankful that I have all these pheasants in my freezer or, you know, readily available. Have you guys been hearing that a bunch? That's a, that's a big time theme I've heard in the last 30 days. Compton, go ahead. Or Kelby, you go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, Chad, I mean, if you follow social streams, uh, the social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you are seeing that. So I do believe that it's not, uh, I believe there's some validity to that. Uh, I know me personally, I'm out of pheasants. I've, I've had my pheasants. I've had my pheasant cordon blue a few times. So now I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm out of pheasants. I do still have some ducks and my walleye is now all gone. So that hey, is, I, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute, Kelby. I want to talk, I want to talk, I want to touch on this. And I know that this is an ammunition thing, but I could talk about black cloud until I'm blue in the face. And it's going to be the same underlying theme that it's just the best ammunition ever built for ducks and geese. So we're going to get back to that. But you just mentioned two words that really irritate me when I hear them. And that's wall. I, is it, <laughs> so like we, we don't have cold water, freshwater walleye out here. Okay. And it's, when I get on it and you know, I, I got, I told I you about moving Chad. I know I, I get, so, I get on some of these podcasts lately and I made that comment about the Turkey and the archery. Well, the other argument that I get in is that walleye is the best eating fish in the continental United States for fresh water. Now the halibut is a really good deal, but that's a completely different animal and species, right? But all of these rednecks, all of the Waddells and the T-Bones are saying, nah, man, these brim and these bluegill and these perch and these, a perch is called something different down there. Um, it's called a crappie, I believe, down in the south. Is there any any chance that a perch is as good as a walleye? Am I not cooking them right? You guys are in the walleye capital of the world, pretty much, in the, that part of the country. And you do have perch up there as well when you're ice fishing and such. Is it close? Or is walleye by far the best white meat flaky fish uh, in the continental United States? Well, if you're gonna, so uh, the answer is yes, walleye is the best, but it depends how it's prepared, right? 
Uh, you've had one of our fish fries. You've been fortunate to enjoy that. So you know how, how well uh, walleye, if it's done correctly, is just phenomenal. Um, but walleye and perch are part of the same family. So um, they're, they're still the white, the white flaky, uh, very mild uh, meat. And then crappie is second behind that, in my opinion. But again, what's great about it is, right, it's an opinion, just like ducks, right? I think the best tasting duck is teal. Other people will say mallard's the best tasting duck. So it's a matter of preference and preparation. And if you put a cheese at cracker base on a, on a walleye um, with a crust, yeah, you, you can't go wrong. So, so a perch is not the same as a crappie? Correct. A perch is not the same as a crappie. Okay, so I've been but, educated. So in the South, they call crappie like sockeye. Or, in Louisiana, or, yeah. Or yeah. crappy. Right? Crappy and, crappy yeah, and crappy. sockeye. Yeah, but perch and walleye are the same family. Are there perch in the south? I, I, I've never targeted perch in the south, so I, yeah. I know. I would, I would assume so, but but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Compton, do you feel the same now that your face is up? Are you are are you a walleye guy, or do you think that do you think perch and um, what 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 was the order of it, Calvington? It was it was walleye and then perch and perch, then crappie. Then crappie. Yeah. Blue do you hill. agree? Do you agree with those three? Yeah, I'd stick. I'd stick to that while I while I perch crappie, but I'll I'll take any of the three. You know, I'm I'm kind of a. a I grew up. You know, we've talked about before, but I grew up. Spent most of my summers in Canada at a fishing lodge. From the age of 16 to 24, was a fishing guide. I had walleye every day for lunch, and it's great and it's fantastic when you cook it on the shore. But it's still every single day. So I kind of went through a phase where I thought crappie and perch were a little better. Um, but cause I just, cause I never had them, you know, for, for a long time, but I'll take it all. I'm just a fish lover. Me you too. Know? So I'm so addicted. If you get catfish, I like catfish for being catfish, you know, because it, it tastes different, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it's really, it is hard to beat walleye cooked. Right. And I think think about walleye, it really doesn't matter how you cook it. It's always good. Yeah. Black and grilled and pan fried. Yeah, awesome. You know, you know what I was really happy to see that came out of this quarantine was the new Minnesota state stimulus package to where now you are allowed. I read this last night and really, it's like really fine print. Kelvy, you're going to have to look it up with your readers, but you are now allowed to overnight walleye to um, people that you like, such as oh, nice. me. So, <laughs> so Nash, can you, can, I, I expect 110 quart cooler stacked to the brim, buddy. Can you make that happen, Nash? Yeah, we'll see what we can do. Do you have any within, in your freezer? Within the law. Within <laughs> no, I know it's against the law. I wish that it wasn't because God, could you imagine? Like you guys could set me up on a weekly basis with as many as you catch, Kelvington, with your with your complete talent of being a. Have you guys fished with him lately? Um, we attempted, to, <laughs> and the wind was a little too stiff on the lake we were trying to get on, so we didn't make it. Is there any ice left up there at all? The, um, so I was up north, north, north central Minnesota last week, and the ice is just about out in that um, two-thirds tier down. So the northern tier, there's still ice. Uh, Lake of the Woods still has ice on it, Chad. So, you know, going to fish Little Traverse Bay like we did a couple of years ago, ice fishing, um, that ice is still not out. But um, as you get south of probably Bemidji, um, you're starting to see lakes go out. And there's supposed to be predicted rain this week and 60, 60 degrees, that's gonna pretty much extinguish any um, ice. So by um, fishing opener May um, 9th, um, it should be pretty good here in Minnesota. And so 
if uh, we're fortunate enough to, to catch our limits of walleyes, uh, look for your uh, local UPS delivery man. He might uh, he might have a present for you. Is it legal to ship walleye? Yeah. Uh, as long as you're not buying it from me, yeah, you can. I'm sure you can. You can just gift it. I'm sure you can. You just can't. I, I, well, I'll check the laws. I would not yeah. break the intentionally yeah. break the law, but I'll yeah, pay for not, all shipping and packaging from it. I don't see what. Yeah, you can. not profiting from it. So, but in Minnesota, you cannot sell um, walleye. You cannot. No, I don't. I mean, I, if you I had to, I would sell walleye. All commercial walleye that comes through the United States is um, a product. Farmed. Of, oh, it's no, it's a product of Canada. It comes out of Lake Winnipeg. Oh, Canada. That's interesting. Um, what is another name for walleye? And then we'll go back to ammo. There's another name that I can't think of. And I heard it yesterday. Pickerel? In Canada, pickerel, in Canada pickerel? they call it a pickerel. Pickerel. Okay, I heard that. Now, like on the East Coast in Chesapeake Bay, they don't call them pickerels like over in Maryland in that area? That I don't know. That you don't know. So with with... 2020 the fall's coming up and let's just all keep our fingers crossed that it's going to have you know duck season's going to happen are you guys already on to the next best as far as trying to better what's already the best out there like how do you make a better ammo than the original black cloud and then that was done and then how do you complement that with a line of of upland you you have the blue box then you have the you have the prairie then you have black cloud then you have tss your turkeys you got three different loads in the turkey now why what else can be done to make it better i know you're not going to give me any secrets i don't want the secrets but are your efforts starting to go into other directions than making black cloud better because can you really do much more to it are there new materials out there other materials out there that you haven't mined yet that that you're going to be able to take a duck or a goose down better than what's already being offered by federal premium compton you go ahead yeah we're, we're always searching i can tell you that you know for what our 2021 catalog looks like the team is uh, well off and running on working on those those products right now as we're bringing the 2020 stuff to market but it's always, we're always searching for new stuff. You know, I've, I've heard over and over, you look at some of the ideas that came up 30 years ago that weren't possible, but now are because of ingestion molding technologies or different polymers are available, whatever. But, uh, you know, uh, we kind of talked about NWTF, but we're looking at a lot of sub-gauge stuff. Uh, 28 gauge is growing in popularity, 16 gauge growing in popularity. So expanding product lines further into that. And uh, yeah, I mean, if we can find a material that is cost effective and dense and, and knocks them down better than what's out there, we're, we're, we're looking for it. And, uh, and a lot into, uh, you know, the world seems to be going green, you know, so less single use plastic is something that we're, we're looking at as well, too. You know, a lot of wads floating out there in the water. So Ooh, that's <laughs> awesome. Okay. And what about you're going on a mallard hunt tomorrow morning you're in a north dakota pothole you're around somewhere around devil's lake but the pothole's 60 yards wide your decoys are set out at 30 yards 35 yards is the farthest block from your blind what is the exact load dan compton i want all three of you to answer this. what is the exact load that you carry and i want to know from the professionals that make this stuff what you're going to go hunt with in that condition. And you're mainly going to be hunting larger size puddle ducks from widgeon to gadwalls to, to mallards. Then maybe the occasional canvas back might fly through. If I'm going on a straight duck hunt like that, 
I've kind of been on a two and three quarter inch kick this past year. And mainly because I've never shot a lot of it in my life, but I'm realizing that announcing an eighth at 1500 feet per second is moving pretty good with a solid payload. So I'd probably go black cloud two and three quarter inch for these. Wow. You just taught me something. Nash. I, I'm more of a three inch twos kind of a guy. Seems to be a nice all around load for, for me. And, and we, we sell a lot of threes though. It's that nice duck. Hunt. I would have said, I would have said threes, but I love twos. What, what is the difference in the count Compton or somebody at, tell me that please of a two uh, to a three and three inch. Give me a, someone could talk and I'll look her up for you. Kelby, what's your load of choice to go into the duck marsh of North Dakota ducks mainly. I'm uh I'm like Jason. I like a three inch number two. That's my confidence. That's my go-to. I shoot a lot of ducks. If I, the only, the only time I'll, I'll change from that is if I know I'm on a teal hunt then I'll shoot threes. So if Nash, if you're going up to Alberta and you're hunting giant Canada's 11 to 13 pounders, are you a three and a half inch guy in twos or BBs? Or do you stay in that three inch range and maybe just adjust the BB from two? Yeah, I'll, I'll do BBs. And then I'll also mix in some black cloud TSS. So you roll with the TSS. Now the TSS is spendy. It's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a more of an enthusiast load, but I can show you messages that I got yesterday from two gentlemen that just bought their first case of TSS and they got the, 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 the sevens, the seven mix, and they're just ecstatic. Like I, we can't wait to shoot it, Chad. What results have you been seeing in it? And you know, I just told them the truth. Like it's, it's amazing. Truly. It's amazing. You'll be amazed is what I put down there with an the exclamation point. But is that something that you guys understood going into that market Nash with your marketing efforts that, Hey, we're only going to, we're only going to be selling this to a very select customer, but now it seems like it's kind of got, and I bring Benelli up, but Benelli's kind of been that symbol of the American waterfowl to where an 18 year old kid will save three summers of lawn mowing to get his first super black Eagle. Now guys are like saving up to get TSS because they're hearing what it's doing. And I think that they want to witness for themselves. Are you seeing the same thing? We are. And, you know, just like any company, we, we try to offer a range. We, there's a good, better, best, you know, for, for everything. A lot of people shoot our blue box. Um, but uh, black cloud is, is the best steel shot you can get. And, and mixing in TSS is definitely that absolute best you can get. And we saw, I mean, on the Turkey side, it, it just went nuts. So we saw great success there because you're not shooting as many shells. And with, you know, and we've over the years, we've had a number of different shot types that are, you know, tungsten based that we've mixed into waterfall loads. And the TSS seems to be doing real well for us. I love TSS. Compton, educate us on, give us a, an array of, of the counts, please. And so two and go two and three quarter inch to three to three and a half and what it does in certain sizes, please. Sure. So if you go like our two and three quarter inch loads are an ounce and an eighth. If you do an ounce and an eighth three shot, you got 178 pellets. If you go to an ounce and a quarter, so that's your typical three inch load, that's 197. So there's 19 pellets more in the pattern. Um, if you do a two, you go an ounce and an eighth is 141. And then that goes up to 156. So you're getting about 15 more. So with that being said, what you just stated before this, and you're, you've been a two and three quarter inch guy, why would you even consider that with the payload that you're getting just by going up with a three inch and getting that many more pellets in there? 
which isn't a huge number of influx as far as the pellet count goes, but why would you even choose a, a two and three quarter inch? Is there something that's telling you, well, it's going to pattern a little bit different. It's going to, the, the, the speed of the shot, what, what is telling you to go with two and three quarter? So re recoil is like a function of mass and velocity, right? So however hard you're pushing an object, you're going to feel that going backwards. We, we have the high velocity loads as well. You know, we have the ounce and an eighth going 1630. So to me, looking at an ounce and an eighth going 1500 is a little bit faster than what we're shooting our regular ounce and a quarter load, the traditional black cloud, not quite as fast as our high speed loads. And I'm not giving up a ton of pellets. So for me, if you got less recoil, you can recover quicker and you're on a bird faster. So that's how I'm looking at that. Is it proprietary information or can I ask what is the number one selling black cloud size or shot? Do you guys no, know that not, information? Yeah, it's uh, it kind of for it, twos. It twos kind of rules the roost. About two years ago, threes overtook it for the first time. And then this last year it was twos again. So it's always twos, double Bs. Um, it's probably twos, threes, and double Bs at the top, and fours kind of hangs right in there as well. So is is the close but, range still offered? Uh, is not. No, it's not. Now, was that something that was going to be built for the timber hunter kind of mentality, mm -hmm. and 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 people were just getting too many results from the too good results from the other loads that they yeah that they never took it, off. It, I think I don't know if it ended up to be too niche or what, but for us it was just a volume play. If, you know, you got you try to hit a certain amount of volume to support a line. Um, we, we probably could have kept going for it and I'm not telling you we'll never come back, but if when you're looking at ways to maximize output with, uh, you know, in tough markets, it was, it was a relatively easy choice to make. Calvington. Yes, sir. How devastated are you as a human being right now that you don't get to watch the NCAA finals? Nash, you can answer that too. <laughs> well, um, Chad, it was, uh, it was a tough it was a tough end to the, uh, a good season for uh, college wrestling. Um, I know you have a passion for wrestling. You're talking to a lot of ex-wrestlers and MMA fighters. Um, personally, obviously, I, I haven't. I don't like to talk about it too much, but my, I it, it touched me personally because my son didn't get a chance to wrestle in his um, final event, which would have been the Division Two Nationals. So, yeah, there's a void there. I, I can't lie. Nash, it's uh, it's it's bad. It sucks. Yeah, sucks. Yeah, Brian had handed me tickets because the NCAA Division One championships were going to be here in Minnesota at the big football stadium. So we were looking forward to it, and and I was excited to see how well Brian's son had done, and he definitely ended on a high note. But he had qualified for the national tournament D twos and didn't get a chance to wrestle. So yeah, it's it's tough. That's yeah, oh, a bummer, man. but hopefully they were gonna they were gonna have the finals in the in the NFL stadium, US Bank Stadium. Yeah, I was gonna host it. Forty five thousand tickets is what um, I was told had been sold for the event. Whoa. I was gonna set all sorts of records. It was gonna be an extremely uh, the tight team race this year between Iowa, Penn State, Nebraska, um, and the, a Minnesota flavor too. He's like holding up his ticket. There's my ticket. Oh man, that is just not cool. <laughs> the uh, the Minnesota flavor too this year would have had the likes of Mark Hall, uh, the two time NCAA champion from Apple Valley, um, heavyweight uh, Gable Stevenson from Minnesota. There's a young man from Nebraska that was wrestling that was going to probably be a potential finalist. A young man from uh, Wisconsin for that Minnesota roots was also most likely going to be a finalist. So there was a lot of 
anticipation to have a, a just a, a tremendous event here in Minnesota with a lot of Minnesota flavor. And unfortunately, um, you know, we're facing the COVID-19 crisis that, that uh, stopped all that momentum for the sport. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why I find that surprising on the football stadium because when I came up there for the high school championships, they were at your hockey stadium, if I remember correctly, which was sold out. Like, it's amazing to know just the amount of revenue lost in a college wrestling meet at a football stadium. Like, 45,000 people watching a wrestling. Like, I would never, ever in my life say, oh, yeah, that could happen. That just blows my mind. That part of the country is so enriched in wrestling. It's awesome. And that, that just, man, that just hurts me to know that you guys don't get well, to go yeah. to that football stadium. Is that football stadium a dome or would it have been open? To, is it open top? It's got a roof on it. It's, it God, it's that got a very cool. open field. It's got glass all around the sides. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, so do you think for the windows that kind of rotate like this, they can't open the windows to the outside. Do you think for the finals, they would have had one mat on the 50 yard line? I, I don't know the, what the final configuration was going to be, Chad. It was very well um, hidden by the NCAA. I mean, even um, one of my best friends is um, the director of officials for the NCAA, coordinator of officials. And I, I couldn't even pry it out of him how, what um, the configuration was going to be. But I, I assumed it was going to be something spectacular where it would have been almost a 360 view of the, of the, of the, uh, the finals. The mat would have been in the middle of the 50-yard line probably of the, of the uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, 45,000 people. That quarter, that I-35 quarter from Iowa, I think there would probably have been only about 10 people still in the state of Iowa left um, on the night of the finals. So it would have been would have been incredible. And Brian Kelvin and I were going to break out our singlets too. And, yeah. <laughs> you were going to wear just your singlets in there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the world missed out on that. That'd be funny if you walked in there with a singlet on with shoulder pads and said, we're here to play no matter what sport you choose today. <laughs> you put- <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to see Jason bring his headgear and his old uh, – his old uh, Asics with the white Asics with the black stripes on them. That's right. Classic. Brian Kelvington, as far as folk style wrestling goes, collegiate wrestling, world championships, Olympics stuff, is it safe to say that Kel Sanderson's the best wrestler of all time in those styles, and not including Greco-Roman? Did he have the best well, career? Let's say that. Did he have the best career in your opinion? I know it's hard to pick the best, but is, did he have the best overall career out of any wrestler in history of wrestling? I would say from a folk style perspective, absolutely. Um, but you also have to look at gentlemen like Pat Smith and, and Kyle Dake, who were also four-time national champions. Now, they weren't undefeated like Kale was, but uh, you also look at Dan Gable, who was a three-timer. He lost his only match in his senior year in the finals. So it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I would, if there was a Mount Rushmore, I would be, I'd feel more comfortable saying there's a Mount Rushmore, a Mount Rushmore of wrestlers and Kale would be in that Mount Rushmore rather than just signaling out one person, but he certainly has the results that would speak to him being the best all-time folk-style college wrestler with undefeated record in four national championships. Wow, that was well said. Would you agree with that, Nash? I would, yeah. I think what – I mean, it's it's hard to ignore what Dan Gable has done for the sport. So, I mean, if you're talking strictly the, the folk-style career um, – yeah, Kale's got the best numbers, and it's amazing that the guy never lost. I mean, uh, but but then to, to look at what Gable did in coaching and what he did in the Olympics, how nobody even scored a point on him, it's just unbelievable. Chad, one little thing that probably gets under doesn't get a lot of notice, and um, 
Carlton Hasselrig, uh, Russell, I believe it was for University of Pittsburgh, Johnstown, a Division II school. He won three Division II national championships and three Division I national championships. He has six NCAA national championships. What year was that? What year were those? Uh, I want to say it was late seventies, early eighties. Good night. Yeah. Wow. That's all. I'm, I'm, I'm infatuated with it. I just, I look so forward to the DVR and the, the NCAAs and watching it 10 times throughout the year. And I'm just bummed out. So thankfully I still have last year's on there. So I'll just keep watching that. But, um, where do we go from here? You guys are all happy with this partnership. Are we doing a good job? Compton, I'll let you answer that because I have a feeling I'd get ridiculed by Nash right off the bat. Um, we can Compton go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure there's some things we can talk about and work on, Chad. But overall, I think we're, I think we're pretty happy. <laughs> Ouch! Now, we've uh, we've talked about it before. I, I like that you know our relationship is one that you know if we got an idea, I could pick up the phone, I'd call you, I'd say, hey, you're going to be out wherever in September. We're going to send you some shells and just let me know how they do, and, and we get a straight up answer. And I, th- I, th- I think it's been I think it's been great, man. We appreciate what you do for us out there. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. I'm fired up about Nash. Are you happy? No comment. <laughs> you were right to start with me. <laughs> I was right to start with Compton. I knew it was going there. No comment. No, Real I nice, think, dude. No, that's awesome. I, we have a great partnership. And, you know, one, one of the things we like about you is you're a great connector. You know a lot of people and you bring people together all around, you know, the spirit and, and the, the nature of duck hunting and conservation and, and sharing a meal together. So, I'm looking forward to when we can all get back together and, and do it again because that's that's Me what it's too. all about. I appreciate that. I can't wait. Kelvy, you feel the same way? Or do I even need to ask? I mean, we're just like we're just like nerd brothers. I mean, Lewis and Gilbert will be join we'll be joining in. Well, Chad, I feel you know, obviously we have a friendship beyond just being a partnership, right? So I always appreciate the 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 filterless comments that we can have. That's uh, probably not suitable for any podcast, but yeah, it's, it's, it's enjoyable and, and nobody appreciates the passion that we see you um, day in and day out um, emulate for, uh, for this audience. Thank you so much. I'm trying. Well, yeah, we're working hard. We got a lot of cool things going. We couldn't be more proud of the partnership and the credibility that the Black Cloud Federal Premium brand adds to what we do. It's just such an, it's so easy to, to, to be a part of it and be a part of the heritage or the culture of it because we believe in it. It's, it's the best there is and we mix it with guys like you building it and putting it out there and the messaging It's just, it's awesome. So I'm so glad of that day that Willie Robertson introduced me to Brian Kelvington. And at that time, you guys, they were going to duck dynasty and their TV show on the outdoor channel was kind of transitioning. And then it kind of, it, I'm not saying that we replaced Benelli's the duck commander, but we kind of came in there and were able to become part of the, the federal family because of that introduction. So that, that always sits well with me. Well, we're sure fortunate that same day because, you know, as uh, Jason alluded to before, right, there's so many things in this world that we have to we have so many opportunities presented to us. And so we have to vet a lot of things and make sure that we're doing the right things. And sure looks like we, uh, we made the, it doesn't sure looks like it. We made the right choice connecting and, and uh, building a relationship with you, Chad. Man, that means everything truly it does. And I think that, uh, sky's the limit, you know, like Dave Chappelle said, <laughs> the sky's <laughs> the limit. And I think that, um, Compton, I'll leave you with this. Kiss my freak. I hit the street looking for something to eat. Take it. Do you know this one? 
I said, I got to eat don't. now. I can't eat later. No. I made a lot of noise to attract my waiter. The boy walked up. What did he say? Buttermilk biscuits free today. What you waiting on, boy? Come on, dude. The buttermilk biscuits was, I, don't I have been jamming heart. that. Anyway, yeah. it's for some reason, all of us have this, we have this four way right here of revenge of the nerds, wrestling and hip hop. And mm. Nash and I made a, a Blood Brothers uh, deal that we would not watch straight out of Compton until we're together. And I have not broke it. I assume he hasn't. Oh, really? But I have not broke it. I have not even seen the beginning. Like, I haven't even, like, been tempted. And somebody says, we're watching this. You're crazy. You haven't seen it. I'm like, nope. I won't even watch the opening credits. So we're going to do that together. We watch Revenge of the Nerds together because, I mean, the Ogre and Stan Gable and I mean, we could go on and on about that. And then wrestling. We just have a lot of cool common bonds. So I appreciate the friendships. I appreciate the partnerships. I appreciate the quality and what it brings to us. Makes our job easier. I appreciate you guys being on the podcast. The foul life, the essentials of duck hunting. Jason Nash, Dan Compton, Brian Kelvington, Federal Premium, Black Cloud. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Chad. Have a good day. Great to be here. Thanks, Chad. All right, Nash, get that mood lighting going again. I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. This has been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by our friends at Federal Premium Black Cloud. Pull the trigger, send the dog. Enough said. Tom, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Foul Life. Thank you all so much for the support of the podcast. <laughs>